What a gift to be here this morning, um, just in light of everything happening with Jonathan. Um, you all say goodbye, I say hello. <laughs> Very excited to be here. Um, it really is a gift to be with you all this morning. Um, the hardest part about this was just figuring out what in the world to even say or share. There's so much in my heart. So settle in around four o'clock this afternoon. We'll get you out of here and get on your way. Um, so listen, just really quick introduction. I'm Jake Spencer. Um, I started serving here at Grace Chapel in the fall of 2000 doing youth ministry. Um, and it's been a true gift all these years later um, to continue just to walk with the Lord and see his faithfulness. That's the deal to see his faithfulness. And so um, just a little bit about myself, did youth ministry here for years on staff till about 2016 when we moved to Knoxville to plant Grace Chapel, Knoxville. Um, my wife Amy is here with me this morning. We have six children. That is, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have six kids, five beautiful girls. My son Micah there in the front row worshiping with me this morning and just such a gift our family is. Our kids grew up here. They were born here. They grew up here. Um, now my oldest is 20. She's been serving on the mission field with YWAM in Switzerland for about a year and a half. Um, just in awe of her. My youngest is now 12. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> this summer, half of my kids are now 18 or older. So there's that. So I'm getting old. Yeah. So I just thought I'd share a little bit. Um, you know, we got a lot of fun memories that go back. Rob and I partnered in youth ministry for years together. And one of my absolute favorite memories is when we got banned from ever going back to a chalet in Gatlinburg. So we took a bunch of middle school and high school kids to Gatlinburg. Rob's in one house with a bunch of knuckleheads and me and Brian Ray, anybody know Brian Ray down in Mexico? We're in another house with some high schoolers and it's getting late, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and some of the guys in our cabin had one of those slingshots that shoots water balloons. And so they noticed that on the upper floor of the house next to us where Rob was staying, there was an open window. And so Brian Ray and I are out there on the porch with them. We're egging them on. We're encouraging them. And they just yell through the window. And on the first shot, it goes through the window. What we don't realize is that is the room Rob is sleeping in. It hits the ceiling directly above him and rains down on him, waking him up. About 60 seconds later, Rob is on the patio of our cabin yelling at what he thinks is a bunch of high school boys. Me and Brian Ray dive back into the house trying to hide from him because we don't want to get busted. So there's your Grace Chapel, Franklin, Knoxville, and Mexico pastors. Um, there you go. All right. Well, um, all jokes aside, I want to talk to you guys this morning about living a legacy, not leaving a legacy, living a legacy. And I just realized I got up here without a water bottle. Could I grab one real quick? <clears throat> I've got one right there, Rob. Yeah, sorry. Oversight. Thank you. <clears throat> living a legacy. Our primary passage this morning is from Judges chapter 2. Um, we're picking up here, Joshua is nearing the end of his life, and in just a few short verses, it's going to kind of recap the final days of his life here. This is after a lifetime of faithfully following Moses in the wilderness, and then becoming the leader of the people as they moved into the promised land. 
And now he's handing things off to the next generation. Judges chapter two, we're gonna read verses six through 10. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Oh, how one sentence can change everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment this morning to gather as your people. God, would you remind us not only in this moment, but in each day of our lives, God, would we be anchored in who we are? We have the precious gift of being your people. And that is no small thing. God, we get to be a part of an eternal story that is unfolding. And God, our prayer this morning is that we would learn to be faithful in our generation, that we would live out the legacy that you've called us to. We need your help to live that way. We need your help this morning as we go through your word. Holy Spirit, would you make this alive and real to us? Show us how we can apply this in our own walks individually and as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, well, I wanna welcome you guys to my first office here at Grace Chapel. I don't mean because I'm up here preaching this morning in that sense. I literally mean my first office at this building was in the tech booth. So when I came on staff full-time after several years of volunteering and part-time ministry, um, this, this building we're in, this room we're in was here, but this long hallway that leads all the way down to the fellowship hall was being built. And I was gonna have an office down at that end of the building. And so I have officially the biggest office in the history of Grace Chapel. <laughs> it's not as great as it sounds because when you're up there in the tech booth in the middle of the week and somebody walks by and sees the lights on, they pop in, flip the switch, and move on their way, and I have to stumble down the stairs to the light switch yelling, I'm in here, I'm in here. Uh, but this was my first office. And then a short time later, Jay Tremblay and I, you guys know Jay, awesome, faithful man, we built desks that all of us were gonna be using over there, and I'm pretty sure we practiced on Robbie Mason's desk first. <laughs> Worked out the kinks there, so mine was a little, in a little better shape. Um, thankful for Jay. And then my actual original office, though, this is so fun, Jonathan and I, both as part-time employees, shared an office in a little house in the middle of Leaper's Fork when all of this was just a dream. We met in a little school, Hillsborough Elementary School, and we kind of tag team. We had different office hours, and if we'd overlap, you know, we'd, we'd sit and talk and visit. And anyways, what a gift to be a part of this. Well, listen, that's, that's just a tiny, teeny little glimpse 
of what I'm talking about this morning. That's just a few years in the grand scheme of things. But I wanna talk to you about this morning is this legacy that is unfolding, that God is working on, that we have the gift of being a part of. And so the first thing I wanna talk to you about this morning is understanding our legacy. We need to live in view of what we're a part of. We're a part of something bigger than us. And so at the end of the book of Joshua in chapters 23 and 24, it tells in more detail the little snippet we read from Judges. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time unpacking this, right? So the conquest is done. Israel is settling into the new land. Joshua is now old and approaching death. And so he summons all of the elders and the leaders and all the people. And after he rehearses um, about what God has done and his faithfulness, how God has fulfilled his promises, he's now gonna charge the people to something. And so we're gonna pick this up in Joshua chapter 23, verses six through eight. He says, in light of God's faithfulness, in light of what he has done, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But, how many of you know to pay attention when the word but shows up in scripture? But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. What do we do in light of the legacy, the story that God's telling who he is and his faithfulness? What do we do in light of that? We choose to be faithful. We embrace the, the idea of being faithful. That word cling there, I love that word. It shows up throughout the Old Testament. Um, it's the same word where um, the description of clinging, leaving your father and mother and clinging or cleaving to your wife. It's the same word that's used when Ruth says, Naomi, I'm not leaving you. I'm holding on to you and to your God. I wanna be a part of that story. And Ruth clung to her. It's the same word. And Joshua charges us, cling to the Lord in light of his faithfulness and who he's been and what he's done. Be faithful in return. Hold on to him. How do we do that? Verses 11 through 13, or sorry, verses nine and 10. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts a thousand to flight, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised. How can we be faithful? Like, I'm so aware of how unfaithful I am. I'm so aware of my shortcomings and my failures. How do we remain faithful? We cling to the one who is always faithful. We hold him close. We hold him dear. We realize, we live with this idea that any of my contribution even to what has taken place is nothing. It's his grace. It's his gift. Why have I ended up here? Because he is faithful who promised. And so we cling to him. Verses 11 through 13. Joshua now gives a warning. He understands that what he's asking them to is gonna be difficult that there's gonna be obstacles and temptations that come up along the way. And so he says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling 
to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and you make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord has given you. See, what we love, we will cling to. What we care about, what we desire, what we pursue, that's what we're gonna cling to. And Joshua says, listen, this is an incredible gift that's been given to you this day. This land that you have, this place the Lord has brought you, it's incredible. But he says, beware that your eyes don't wander and you fall in love with other things and you cling to those instead of clinging to God. See, friends, the real gift is not the land. The real gift is the God who gave them the land. The real gift is that I could even be called the son or daughter of God. That's the gift. The land can come and go as we see throughout history. Cling to the Lord. He is the real gift. When we understand legacy, when we understand who God is and the story that is unfolding and the gift that we have to be a part of it, to be considered his people, when we understand that, we will cling to the Lord so we can carry that legacy well. That's what'll happen. Now, what Joshua does next is brilliant. As you move into chapter 24, I would encourage you to read all of it yourself. Verses one through 13, he gives them a history lesson. He anchors them in the story that they are a part of. And he gives them a history lesson. He goes all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about God's faithfulness while they're in Egypt, about Moses coming in the Exodus, even about the help that the Lord provides while they're in the wilderness for those 40 years. And then ultimately, Jericho and its fall and the gift of the promised land. And he walks them through all of that and then he says these words, Joshua 24, 13. He's, he's, this is the Lord speaking here. I gave you a land on which you have not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant. Friends, this this idea of living out legacy in light of all God has done throughout history, it's meant to help us realize that we're a part of something that's so much bigger than us. That doesn't diminish our value. It gives us a sense of purpose and understanding. I get to be a part of this unfolding story. I get to be a part of Jesus and his life and his kingdom. I get to be a part of that. And the things that I have, the substance of my life, my relationships, my possessions, it's so easy to get blinded by that stuff. It fills our vision. We pursue it with our energy. And God forbid we begin to think that we somehow are the ones that accomplished it. Instead of recognizing by just simply clinging to him and being faithful and trusting God that he gives us the precious gift that is our life and our relationships and the community we get to be a part of as the people of God. We need to understand our legacy and that will enable us to carry our legacy. And so now that's what Joshua does. He charges them to carry it well. Here's who you are. Here's how you got here. 
Here's who your faithful God is. Now, carry this well. Joshua 24 now, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's always that temptation, right? There's the temptation of, of the past and the appeal of things that we look back at and long for and we want to recapture. Or then some of us, we look at our past and go, that was pretty rough. Maybe my upbringing, my parents, it was a hard situation. The last thing I wanna do is cling back and grab a hold of that. And so what do I do? I just find new idols to chase. Oh, they, they live like that and I swing way over this way. The temptation is before us. And Joshua says, don't, don't get lost looking backwards and don't, don't drift into like looking around. Hold close to the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Be faithful to him. And so the people do. They make a commitment. The next generation says, all right. Verses 24 and 25. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. The people made a verbal commitment and a covenant and a vow to be faithful. We see throughout scripture, this is a repeated theme. And each generation has a moment to decide, who am I gonna be? What am I gonna live for? What's my aim in life? And Joshua says, choose this day whom you're gonna serve. Friends, this is a decision nobody else makes for us. It's a decision we make. Will I choose to cling to the Lord and be faithful to him? And so then verse 28 kind of takes us right where we were in Judges. It says, so Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. So the opportunity is there. You understand the legacy. You understand the gift of this place the Lord's given you. You understand the gift of being his people. And you've committed your hearts to faithfully follow him. The opportunity is there. And so Joshua passes and the elders pass and the new generation is now stepping in. And that little portion of scripture that we read to open the service in Judges, it's actually like a parenthetical. The story of the next generation had started to unfold, and so the writer of Judges kind of drops in here a reminder of the commitment they had made at the end of Joshua's life. And the reason they had to drop that reminder in is because of what was already going wrong. Judges chapter two. Beginning in verse one, we'll read through about half of verse five. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. I want you to remember that line right there. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. And he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. Who's talking? This is the appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament here. When angels show up in scripture, they never let people bow down and worship them. When Jesus shows up in scripture, he speaks with the authority of God himself. And so he does. He speaks here. I did this. I brought you here. 
I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down the altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of that place Bokim. It means weeping. It means weeping. They had an opportunity in their generation to be faithful to God. And Jesus himself shows up and says, hey, we made a covenant. You made a commitment. You said these words. I promised this. And look how quickly you've broken that. Look how quickly you've wandered after other things. You've forgotten who you are. That's what he's saying to them. You've forgotten who you are. How could this take place? Now the passage opened by saying the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. We need to pay attention to the details of scripture. Gilgal would have triggered everybody's mind reading this because the angel of the Lord had shown up at Gilgal. He showed up at Gilgal because the people of God were getting ready to move in to the promised land. This is a generation earlier. And after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, something had not taken place. No one had been following the commitment to circumcise the boys. And so from young boys up to, you know, 40-year-old men, they had not been circumcised. And as they're preparing to enter in the promised land, they knew we need to renew our covenant to God and be faithful he called us to do. So they made a sacrifice. Before they go to battle, the men get circumcised. I'm, I'm guessing that's not like an ideal battle strategy. <laughs> but that's what they do to be faithful to the covenant they'd made with the Lord. And so at Gilgal, they make this covenant. I wanna read these verses to you. Joshua 5, seven through nine. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Yeah, I bet. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Friends, whatever legacy you choose, I just gotta be real with you for a minute. It's gonna be painful. It's gonna be painful. The question is, is it gonna be the pain of the tears of regret because we've spent a lifetime pursuing that which will not endure? Or will it be the pain of radical, faithful obedience to God? That's, it's hard. It hurts. The main reason I'm standing up here today is because my dear friend going on 50 years old, sorry to let the cat out of the bag, going on 50 years old after years of faithful, radical obedience that cost him stuff to serve and worship Jesus here is going on a brand new adventure like, I moved to Knoxville when I was like 35. At 50, I'm taking the risk of going to a new place in a new season 
May we all live radical lives like that. He didn't come up with the idea. He's holding on to Jesus, and Jesus says, this is what I'm calling you to do. And he's like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go where you call me. That's radical obedience. That's carrying the legacy. Thank you, Jonathan, for giving us that example. I pray that we would all live like that. And, and here's, see, here's the beautiful thing that happens. In this moment of radical obedience, these people are faithful in this moment, and guess what? Jesus shows up. The angel of the Lord shows up at Gilgal, and this is what takes place on the cusp of moving into the promised land. Joshua 5, 13 and 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet. The place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. When we understand our place and our legacy and we're committed to carrying it, what we understand is that it's not about me. It's not about my goals, my dreams, my objectives. It's about him. It's about the king. It's about his goals, his dreams, his objectives. Whose side are you on? You gonna be on my side? Jesus, you're like, you know the other side, Jesus, right? You're, you're on my side. You're with me? He's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I ain't picking sides. I'm the king. Whose side are you gonna be on? That's the question. Friends, there is far too much in the church of our day the building of names of people and names of organizations and propping those up to build some sort of a legacy. We got enough of that. This is about Jesus. It's about his name above every other name. That's the legacy. This isn't about Jonathan Allen or Rob Rogers or Jake Spence. It's not about any of that. It's about him. It's about King Jesus. And friends, I just, I have to say to you a moment, it's easy sometimes to sit back and go, man, things look pretty rough in the American church these days. And to look at it in broad strokes or even look at specific situations that break our heart. But I have to tell you, we have what we have because it's what we've asked for. It's easy to look at other people and go, what legacy are you building? Whose name are you for? The question, sons and daughters of the king, is will we look in the mirror and get honest about whose legacy we're pursuing with our lives? What kingdom am I building? What possessions am I trying to take hold of? Am I just faithfully clinging to Jesus? and living for his name and his glory and asking him what his objectives are for my life, what his purposes are that I might be pursuing, or is it my name and legacy? Understanding legacy, carrying legacy. I wanna wrap up by just simply saying, uh, I wanna talk about an enduring legacy. And this is it. What I've been talking about is it. Living for ourselves and our kingdom and our pursuits that's all gonna go away. The only enduring legacy is the legacy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
And so this pattern is repeated over and over again. The second half of Exodus is all about this covenant being made with God's people as they come out of Egypt. Then the whole book of Deuteronomy is about Moses talking to Joshua's generation. Will they commit to following the Lord faithfully in their generation? And now here this morning, as the land has been settled, Joshua's trying to do the same thing, encourage the people to be faithful in their generation. Each generation has to decide who are we gonna be? What are we gonna be about? What are we gonna aim at? And we understand that we can receive well the baton from those who have gone before. And we can faithfully carry that baton and run our leg, not perfectly, but faithfully. Sincerely, as the scripture said this morning. And then when the time comes, we can pass it off. Because it's not about me. One of the most critical moments in my life here at the church is when I was stepping away from being the full-time youth pastor and David Green was stepping in to be the high school youth pastor. And loved David, we'd worked arm in arm, side by side for years, loved him, and he was now stepping in to take ownership of it. And you know what happened? Like three months in, he changed some things. <laughs> I didn't like that. And, and here's the thing, like truthfully, I don't, even, I don't think I ever even said this to him, but truthfully, there started to be this fear of like, did he think I wasn't doing, doing a good job? Like, is this like a critique on me or who I am? And the Lord just stopped me short and he's like, bro, that is your pride talking. It's his turn. He wasn't compromising his faith, the DNA, the core of who we were called to be. He was carrying that well. And I can say with all honesty, he made it better. Sincerely, he made it better. And then he's handed that on to Dylan. I, I don't know. I wasn't around for that. Dylan, is he still, is he hanging in there? He's doing a good job? Awesome. All right. That's really what I was here for this morning. He made it better too. I love that. Listen, like, because it's not about me. It's not about David. It's not about Dylan. It's like, Jesus, this is your kingdom and your people. And you've given me the gift to have some small part to play in this. How can I carry that well to honor you? That's it. That's it. All right. Rob, I, I know I'm right up against time. I'm supposed to talk about what's happening in Knoxville. It's kind of cool. I'm gonna try to tell this really, really short. Um, but we have this really cool thing that's unfolding. So we actually studied the life of Joshua in May and June. I didn't get to preach this message to close the series because we ran out of time. So I'm preaching it here. Um, but we studied the life of Joshua. So on Sunday... June 6th, I taught about Moses passing the baton to Joshua to move into the promised land. On the following Sunday, June 11th, we were at the point in the story where they were stepping into new territory. What Jonathan talked about leading up to baptism, that crossing of the Jordan and stepping into the land that God had given them. In the week in between was our seven-year anniversary of being in a school, in a temporary space. And during that week, a dear pastor friend of mine who's 75 years old, who's been faithfully pastoring for years in Knoxville, called me as we often do and said, hey, you wanna meet for coffee? And I said, that'd be great. And we meet for coffee and he looks at me across the table and he says, hey, our church is, it's older, it's small, we're dwindling down and we just, we don't wanna see this land just get like sold and turned into like, you know, an office of some, an insurance office or something. We just feel like this land is supposed to belong to the Lord. 
could we give it to you guys? Y'all. And, and here's what's been very apparent to me in this. Like, this isn't about me. It's not about me. It's not about some amazing thing I've done or planned. Like, I had no idea it was coming. Frankly, the two days leading up to that coffee, I was in a tough spot. I was struggling. I was kind of in despair a little bit. God's like, I just, I just wanna do this. And he gives it to us. And so what, what's apparent to us is like, this is bigger than us. God cares about the people in Knoxville. And like, we're not the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's faithful people who have been serving in Knoxville for generations. And this beautiful, faithful congregation just wants to hand it off well. Now we're just going, God, how can we be faithful with this in our generation? And when we're long gone, how can you continue to be honored and glorified as you reach people for your kingdom in Knoxville? That's the story. That's it. So there's cool stuff happening. We're being given these few acres and this property. We're looking to purchase the house next door and an acre there to expand kind of it. And there's some remodel stuff. Like God's telling an incredible story and what a gift to be a part of it. And guys, y'all are a part of this with us. Thank you. Thank you for the support. We love y'all. Thank you for letting us take the Allen family to Knoxville. I don't know if you're really letting us do that, but thank you for doing that. I wanna close by reading that second half of Judges, chapter two, verse 10 again. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And I just wanna say to you, what if it said, and there arose another generation after them who knew the Lord and understood the work he had done for Israel? We get to decide which verse tells our story. Amen? Amen. Let's close. Lord, thank you for your incredible faithfulness. Thank you for the gift of this place and these people. Thank you, God, that you've specifically designed the fact that we would be alive in this day and age. God, forgive us when we've despaired the day and age in which we live. God, forgive us when we've been distracted or compromising in our generation. Jesus, thank you that you stand at the ready. You are faithful. You are committed. God, may we be a people who are marked by our faithfulness to carry not our legacy, not our name, not our agendas, but your name for your kingdom, for your glory, to fulfill your purposes in the earth, in our generation. God, we need your help to live like that. We're trusting you for that help. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.